What is up, all of my beautiful freaking people? Welcome back to another episode of FML Talk. Today is a really fun one, guys. We are sitting down with Alana Dunn, who went from a hinge mess of a dating story to happy in love fiance. Um, And it's just a fun fucking girl talk episode. We're going to talk some dating. We're going to talk some fucked up relationship stories. It's going to be a good one. So sit back, grab a drink, and welcome to FML Talk. Oh my God. Wait, how old was the other girl? 19. Can you believe that shit? Hey, this is Gabrielle Stone. Good book. He did what? 48 hours? What a dick. Yeah, but have you seen all the photos on our Instagram? And this is FML Talk. Oh, no, she didn't. All right, you guys. I absolutely loved having this conversation with Alana. Um, sometimes we just need a fun, light girl talk episode. And that's exactly what y'all are getting today. Um, her story is just really fun and I think resonates with a lot of people out there. We're going to get into overcoming dating anxiety, which I know is fucking real (laughs) why the dating rules are really hurting us and fucking us royally. And I almost went way too far with that, guys. (laughs) And then I pulled it back. Why dating rules are really hurting us and not helping us. And what it means to be vulnerable in the face of potential rejection. So we're getting into all the things. This episode's going to give you some hope, some laughs. Sit back and enjoy. Here we go. Also, I don't know what the fuck happened to my microphone on this Zoom interview, but some shit was going on and we had some technical difficulties. So while Alana sounds fucking fabulous, uh, my shit on the other end was like, mercury retrograde in full fucking effect. So bear with us for uh, the audio on my end. Alana Dunn, welcome to FML Talk, girl. How are you? I'm so excited to be here. How are you? I'm so good. I'm so excited to have you here. This is going to be a fun girl talk, fun episode. Oh, yeah. So tell me, let's just like start with your kind of crazy journey of how you came to like doing a podcast where you talk about all of the things, but really just like your kind of cliff notes story. Yes. So backing up out of college, I was working in the music industry. And at the time I started managing a band and I started secretly dating one of the two guys in the band. It was a secret from the other guy in the band because we did not think we didn't think that he would be okay with it. I did not want to keep it a secret at all. I felt like that was wrong. I felt like, okay, well, maybe he'll understand or we can try and figure some way out. And the other one said, nope, absolutely not. Like, we're not telling him. Zip. Nothing. And this went on for about like eight months. He would never admit that we were in a relationship. Like, he wouldn't call me his girlfriend. But we were spending five, six, seven nights a week together. I flew halfway across the country to spend the holidays with his family. And... Other than ha- not having the title, like we were in a relationship. Yeah, you know? that's a fucking relationship. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> I would say so. Um, and after a while, it got, it was so painful, like having it be a secret. You know, there would be times where I would go try, like I'd, we'd have plans. I would go up over to his apartment, but the other one would decide to stay. And then I would have to circle around the block for two hours right. in the snow, oh where God. I would have to like, 
stand in a grocery store just waiting because it was raining. Mm -hmm. Um, There was a time when the other one came back to the apartment unannounced and I had to hide in the laundry room. It was really, really painful. And I was planning my future with these guys. I was supposed to move across the country to LA with them to work. And um, eventually, he ended things. And as he ended things, I was like, okay, well, now we have to continue working together. And... I can't pretend that I'm okay. You know, we were going into like record label meetings and I'd have to leave to go cry because I still had to pretend that none of this ever happened. And so right. finally I was like, I'm going to tell the other one. He was like, well, screw you. I beat you to it. I told him everything. He knows everything. So me and the other one went and sat down on a bench one day and he was like, it's okay, Alana. He told me everything. I know you guys kissed once. You don't have to keep it a secret anymore. Oh my God, stop. At this point, I'm severely depressed. I had never experienced depression or anxiety or anything like that in my entire life. I did not want to go to get out of bed. There were days where I was like, wow, I kind of wish a car would hit me because it would just be easier to not be here anymore. Right. And I needed to leave the music industry. This just like crushed my soul and I needed to get out. And I ended up getting this job at Hinge, which basically it was using all the same skills I was using in music, which was content creation, social media, marketing, um, but applying it to dating. Mm -hmm. And the reason I wanted to get into music to begin with was to help people fall in love with music the same way I did. And music was such a big part of my life, specifically with the Jonas Brothers. And so I really wanted to help connect people by creating amazing content, behind the scenes content, stuff like that. And so I ended up deciding, okay, you know what, if I could use my skills to help a single person not feel the way I feel right now because of someone they were dating, Mm-hmm. that would just make it all worth it. And so I started a job at Hinge. I worked there for about two years. And in my first year there, I kept it very surface level. You know, I, I was this public persona. I was on their social media every day and giving people dating tips, talking about dating app profiles and ways to improve your profile and what to do and not do on a first date and, and all that. And I was really afraid that somebody wouldn't want to date me because of what I did. So I never wanted to talk about my dating life publicly. Mm. And fast forward about a year in, I'm going through another breakup. And I was like, I can't, I can't just sit here and pretend that everything's okay. I can't just sit here and, and encourage people and say like, you got this. It's going to be great. You'll find your person when like, I'm sitting here in a hotel in LA hysterically crying because I just got my heart broken. You're like, where's my fucking person? <laughs> right, literally. So that day I ended up recording a video and like my face is like red and puffy and I was like, listen, like you guys usually ask me for advice. I'm turning the tables. Like I just got broken up with. You didn't even know I was in a relationship. I was just like any advice or words of wisdom you can give me because I don't feel like I'm going to be okay at this moment. And Mm -hmm. that was a huge turning point in my life and my career. The floodgates opened hundreds on hundreds of DMs of people not giving me advice, but thanking me Mm -hmm. for showing that side of it because this was 2019. People weren't being that open on social media for the most part and being mm-hmm. like that vulnerable. And so as soon as that happened, I was like, wow, I really like this is how I can really help people by showing how hard dating right. actually is. And so I started a podcast for Hinge called Dating Sucks. <laughs> and immediately that was like, okay, this is this is it. Like this is what I love to do and, and what I'm here to do. And fast forward, I've been doing seeing other people for two and a half years and couldn't be happier. Why is it that like it's always the men that erupt into our lives that like are the catalyst for us like going and becoming like fucking like boss ass businesswomen? <laughs> <laughs> it's so frustrating. It's like that phrase. It's like 
behind every strong woman is a man. And I know like we flip and we're like behind every man is like a strong woman. It's like behind every strong woman is like a man who royally fucked her over. And like, Amen. <laughs> Amen. Oh my God. It's so real. And I so relate. Okay. Wait, we have to back up for a second and unpack some of this because you said There's something. A lot. <laughs> yeah. You said something that like kind of caught my ear and I'm sure it perked all the listeners up as well. You said it's specifically with the Jonas Brothers. Yes. Is that the band you were working with? No. Oh my God. No. Okay. I was like, <laughs> wait a minute. Like, did we just like no. fly past that? Like, oh yeah, no. by the way, I fucked no. the Jonas brother. And then like, <laughs> oh my God, I'm dead. No, I can almost assure you that nobody listening has ever heard of this band. Okay. Which makes okay. it better. But like, in what <laughs> capacity were you working with the Jonas Brothers? In my story, I was not working with Jonas Brothers. I loved the Jonas Brothers. They were like Got the reason I fell in love with music. Like m- their music helped me get through so much. I did end up kind of working with them, and I actually did just interview well, you them have for that, the yeah, podcast. you have them on your podcast, yeah. which is amazing. Yeah, um, and it, it's so bizarre. Like my entire story, my whole world is like the Jonas Brothers and Hinge, kind of, because the Jonas Brothers literally like fueled my entire career. And like how I'm here now. And then Hinge fueled my, what I'm doing now. Right. Um, and and my fiance, uh, we got engaged two months ago. He and I matched on Hinge two months after I was no longer working there. I had a prompt in my profile about loving the Jonas Brothers. And he messaged me saying he also loves the Jonas Brothers. Stop. That's like my whole life, cute. like right there. <laughs> I love so. it. Summer is here and life is not slowing down for us anytime soon. One of the things we have continuously relied on making our lives so much easier is factor meals. No prep, no mess, no cleanup meals. I have really been off the wagon with my eating since having my son. And for my health, my wellness, and my mental sanity, I have been switching my dinners to more healthy options from factor. They have 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week, so I never get bored. And Tay is continuously shocked every time he sits down to eat one because they are so freaking tasty. They have breakfast, lunches, dinners, and desserts. It's a treat to have restaurant-quality food that is so easy to prepare and doesn't come with the insane Postmates bill. Head to factormeals.com slash FMLtalk50 and use code FMLtalk50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code FMLtalk50 at factormeals.com slash FMLtalk50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Enjoy, FMLers. Oh my god. Okay, wait. So, you're working at Hinge. Were while you were working at Hinge, were you also a user on the app? I was. Yes. Okay. What made Hinge different from the other dating apps because I've had a couple people on the show before. I've had friends that have been on all the apps and like Hinge is the one that consistently comes up as being like less shitty than the others. Yeah. So, I will say before I started working at Hinge, Hinge was actually the only dating app that I'd ever gone on dates from. And I had been on dating apps for years, but Mm -hmm. I don't think I ever got an actual date from another app. I don't think I had like exciting conversations from another app. I think it was something about the concept that like Hinge initially was 
friends of friends that felt comfortable. Right. That being said, they changed out of that in like 2016. So for the most most of the time I was on the app, it wasn't even that. But I think just because that's what it was originally known for, I felt safer on there. Mm -hmm. And I feel like most of the people that I went out with from Hinge, it was friends of friends. Like there was at least like one to 40 mutual friends that I had with them. And so it felt very comfortable and very like familiar. Mm-hmm. I also think that the profiles at first, you know, were set up like the prompts really wanted to kind of encourage you to put yourself out there more and share things that were personal to you. And here's the thing, dating apps are a tool and it's really how you use them that yeah. matters. And and on any dating app, somebody could have the best or the worst profile or be having the best or the worst conversations, depending on the amount of effort they're putting into it. I will say, enough no shade against like Hinge or any specific app right now, but like Every single person I know is having the world's worst time on On dating dating apps. Right. right. I mean, when we when we recorded your podcast, you were like, what would you do if you had to like go out into the dating world again? And I was like, fuck me, dude. Like, can you imagine imagine what my profile would be like? Author, divorced, heartbroken. (laughs) Like, what would I even put on there? Like my it would scare a lot of people off. But I want to remind people that like whether or not you put your shit out there in the beginning, not in like a crazy psychotic way, but like whether or not you put yourself out there in the beginning or if you put yourself out there a year into the relationship, it's going to come out eventually. So like, wouldn't you rather know that the person you're going out with is going to like be cool and want to like invest time in who you really are as opposed to putting on a front of like cool girl syndrome? Yes. And, and that's not to say, like, don't actually list your traumas on your profile. Right, obviously. But, <laughs> but I think there's this whole thing where people really try and play it cool and act so chill until it's like, okay, well, until when? Right. Like, what, the first three dates, but then date four, you're going to really show who you are until you're in a relationship and then you're going to be your real self? Well, guess what? If you have acted this whole time, like, you are the most chill casual nonchalant person ever and then suddenly you're actually really anxious or like really nervous about certain things or you know whatever it is you essentially catfish them into right right and they've fallen for someone that's totally not you and then you start putting up these boundaries and they're like boundaries what the fuck does that even mean you've never even said that word to me (laughs) like right exactly and and that doesn't feel safe either from your standpoint because you're so terrified like well well, what if I show who I am and they don't like me anymore like you would so much rather know that the person that you're seeing that you're investing time in that's investing time in you is doing it because they like you for who you are and I, I get this question a lot with people who are like oh like I gained a lot of weight over the pandemic and I'm really self-conscious about it. But like, I still want to be going out on dates. Should I show photos of me on the app from before the pandemic, before I had this weight gain or just like chest up so they don't see my whole body? And I'm like, listen, you could do that. But a few things are going to happen. One, you're putting so much pressure on yourself now for these dates because you might show up and A, you're afraid instantly that you might disappoint them mm-hmm. when you walk in. Yeah. B, you... Like, you don't want to have to feel that way. You should feel confident going into a date that you know the person already knows exactly what you look like and yeah. wants to meet you anyway. Yes, correct. Big time. So when you started getting back into the dating world after your breakup, did you experience dating anxiety? 
oh my God, beyond. So Okay, talk to me about that this, because I know a lot of people struggle with that. This relationship, not quote unquote relationship, <laughs> it really fucked me up. You know, there were so many nights where, oh, I didn't even tell you the best part. Oh, so well, circle back sat, and tell I, me. <laughs> circle back, yeah. I sat down with a friend. He was like, oh, it's okay. You only kissed once. I, first of all, was like, what? I was like, I literally haven't slept home more than two nights a week in the last five months. Like, you can ask my roommates. And he was like, well, that's not possible because, like, there's no way he was dating you because he was, like, d- going on dates with and hooking up with other people the entire time. Oh, my God. So. Wow. That happened. And it was so painful to hear because there were so many times where I had suspicions. Right. And I knew he wouldn't call me his girlfriend, you know? And I was like, well, is that just because of this whole situation or is there other stuff Mm -hmm. going on? And so there would be times at like on a Friday or Saturday night where I wouldn't hear from him. And I would be nervous. He's like, yeah, I'm like going out with the boys. It's like, well, are you doing that? Or like, are you with another girl? And there would be times where I would like see a hair on his pillow and I would have to wonder, is that my hair? And this was the time where you could also see who people were following and what pictures people were liking on Instagram. And I would see him starting to follow all these new girls and like commenting on their posts. And I would ask him about it. And I didn't really understand, like, the term gaslighting, like, wasn't a buzzword at the time. Right, but right. He was like, you're being crazy. Like, do you not trust me? Like, I'm allowed to have friends. You don't mm-hmm. need to know every single person that I talk to. And it was so, like, such a horrible feeling because, I'm like, I I know in, in my gut something doesn't feel right. And I'm scared that this yeah. is happening. And I was just being told, no, you're crazy. Like, stop accusing me of this. Which, like, also, let's put that into perspective. Like, if my husband looked at me, even before we were married, and was like, you don't need to know every single one of my friends, I'd be like, bitch, what? Like, Like, yes, I fucking do. That's fucking weird. Like, if you are sleeping together all the fucking time, spending day in and day out together, and, like... You bring up some chick named Kathy and I've never fucking heard of Kathy. <laughs> that shit's weird. Unless you're like, oh, you know, it's this person from middle school that I haven't talked to and she just reached out and there's a fucking explanation for it. Like, no, no, no. That's weird. If you're yeah. having full on conversations and friendships with people and I don't know who the fuck they are, that's fucking weird. And vice versa. Yeah. Like, what? Well, guess what? <laughs> I, was, I wasn't his girlfriend, so I wasn't allowed to right, like, have those right. thoughts and feelings. Right, right. Yay. Yeah. So... When I got back out in the dating world, it was really, really scary because I didn't know how to trust not only the people I was going out with, but I didn't know how to trust myself because I had gotten myself into this situation. Right. I let this happen in a way. And it's not all his fault. It's not all my fault. I definitely acted like there were there are ways, things that I did and said and that I'm like so mortified by. And like I can't believe that that me is this me. But I wasn't like that before this person came into my life and did things and said things that made me behave that way. That being said, again, it's not all his fault. It's very, it's a very weird concept because it's so, that me is so foreign to me. Mm -hmm. Right. If that makes sense. Yeah, totally. So yeah, I was really terrified at every time I started talking to someone new because if they wouldn't text me back on, on like a Thursday, Friday or Saturday night, or even like a Wednesday. So basically like, the only nights that felt safe were like Sunday and Monday because who goes out on dates on Sunday and Monday? Right. Um, but yeah, I was so, so anxious, like hit in my stomach, like felt like I couldn't breathe, wanted to cry. 
because my initial assumption would be, oh, well, like they're seeing someone else, like they're on a mm-hmm. date with somebody else. Right. I can't trust them. Right. And this was like even in like the new, new stages of like dating. Yeah. 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 That must have been debilitating. Because I've, I've had friends that like will start talking to someone on a dating app and go on a date. And then it's initially like, or immediately it's like, well, how am I going to get them off the app? Cause like if they mm-hmm. met me on the app, who are they still talking to on the app? And like, have they deleted the app and da 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 da? And it's a fucking wormhole like that yeah. is so, there's this toxic culture now where it's like, well, I'm just going to keep my options open and keep this app here because I can just swipe left on a human whenever I fucking want, you know, it's like shopping for people to like have as backups. And that's terrifying. So how did you start overcoming that? It took a really long time because another, you know, fear and anxiety that I had was backing up to kind of dating anxiety. I think there are a lot of different types of dating anxiety. There are a lot of people that are are very anxious about the date itself. Mm -hmm. Like they set up the date. They're so anxious. Like, is the date going to go well? Is it not going to go well? Like, am I going to say the right things? Are they going to think I'm funny? Like, are we going to connect? Whatever. It's going to be awkward. My dating anxiety was different. My anxiety showed up in the form of the second the date was over, I started to panic. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Or the second I started to like someone, I instantly felt like, holy fuck, I'm about to get my heart broken again. Mm. me having feelings for someone is just going to lead to me being in pain. Right, right. And so that was really scary. So there were a few things that... Do you think that's because you hadn't taken the time to like heal and process that relationship that hurt you so badly or it just like came with the territory of like, well, A plus B is going to equal C? I think it's a bit of both. I was like, I was in therapy like twice a week when this all collapse and like there were days where i would go to work i was working at a record label at the time um this is right beforehand there were days where i would go to work and like my boss would see me and just like go on and go home like i was not well yeah and i definitely did take time i think the first person i i like went on dates with it wasn't even intentional it was like somebody set us up to like network because he also worked in music and we went and got a drink and i remember this is actually a really meaningful moment to me. I remember sitting there thinking like, I feel like we're kind of flirting right now. Like he's kind of cute. And I realized like, oh my God, I think I'm going to be okay. Mm-hmm. If I can sit here and, and think that because I right. never thought I was going to get over this person. Right. So I sit at that table and think like, oh, like here's someone that even for like one second, 1% of me was a little bit excited about the possibility of. Yeah, That was really big. And I, yeah. I did not know that I could even get there. How did I start to move forward from it and get over it? It took a really long time. Because I also kept getting myself into the same situation where I would go on a bunch of dates with somebody, think that things were going really well. Mm-hmm. And then they would hit me with a, I don't want a girlfriend. Right. I'm not looking for something serious, but I really like you. Right. And which is such a cop out, like such a cop out. And it really just kept like replaying that same situation over and over where I started to feel like, okay, well, I'm not apparently I'm not good enough to be somebody's girlfriend. People like me and they like hanging out with me, but not enough to commit to me. Mm -hmm. It was really hard. I think a big thing that changed the pandemic, I was forced to spend so much time with myself. Yeah. And I started to really like myself. 
And that was crazy. I like mm-hmm. loved my alone time. And before COVID, I was like afraid to be on my own. Like even if, if there was any night where I didn't have plans, right. I would feel anxious about that. I'd be like, oh, like, am I a loser that I don't have plans tonight? Right. Now I like my nights alone sometimes more than I like my nights with plans. Same. I like Same. treasure <laughs> my alone time. So that was really big for me to, to realize that like I didn't need somebody and that I was good enough on my own and that like there are great things about me. Yeah. And it's so interesting because, you know, I talk about this to my listeners all the time that if there's a pattern in your life, it's because you have a subconscious belief that's attracting those people to play that out for you. So if you, Alana, are walking around going, I'm not good enough to be somebody's girlfriend, of course, you're going to keep attracting people that are going to be like, oh, I like you, but like, I don't really want a girlfriend, like that are showing you like, see, see, I'm, I'm not good enough to be somebody's girlfriend. That's exactly what I've been saying until you stopped and healed that part of yourself and realized like, wait, no, I'm fucking awesome. And I love myself and I love being by myself. So like, why wouldn't someone want to be with me? And then you were able to attract someone different in the future. Oh my God. I love it when there's like flat out examples like that. It's beautiful. Exactly. And it's not always clear to begin with. Like, I think it took me getting hurt a lot of times and continuing to get myself into that situation in order to realize like, okay, something's going on here. And there was definitely another turning point that happened to me. I started dating somebody going into COVID and we had been on like eight dates and March 14th, 2020 happened, the world shut down. And I went to my parents' house. He went to his parents' house. We're suddenly like two and a half hours away from each other in this like long distance situation ship. Like we never were officially boyfriend, girlfriend, but like it didn't matter. Like we, we talked every day. We met each other's friends and family over FaceTime. This went on until the end of June that year. And he came and met my parents. And I was supposed to go to his parents' house the following week to like spend a week there. And in the middle of it, he called me and said, like, this is not the call you think it is. Like we were supposed to have like we were doing weekly virtual date nights. Mm. And he was like, This is not the call you think it is. And like I'm so sorry for what I'm about to say. I just don't think I can do this right now. Like, I think I really need to take the time to focus on myself and like figure some stuff out for me. It has Mm -hmm. nothing to do with you. You did nothing wrong. I just don't like this isn't right for me right now. And I was so blindsided. Yeah. But it was so confusing for me because every other situation I could point to like, okay, well, they told me that they didn't want something serious and it was my fault for staying in it. Or like, yes, there was this red flag and this red flag and this red flag. And this was the first time, I think in my entire life, where I could not identify a thing that I did wrong. Yeah. And it was really fucking frustrating because I like, yeah, couldn't... Yeah, I mean, that's... Yeah, that sounds like me and Javier. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like it, yeah, made, it. it made no sense. It made literally no sense. And I remember asking, like, please just like tell me like what I can do to like fix it. Like, do you want to take a little time? Like, we're like, we don't have to do our weekly date nights. Like, we can slow things down. He's like, no, like, it's not you. It's me. Yeah. Fast forward two years. He posted on Instagram. He came out. It was not me. 
Wow. And we, we reconnected. I texted him immediately. I'm like, Oh my God, congratulations. I'm like, so I'm like, I'm so happy for you that you're you. And like, I'm so proud of you. Yeah. And he immediately responded. We hadn't talked in two years. The, the previous texts were yeah. me like fighting for us. Oh my God, dude. I love that. He immediately responded, said, you're the last girl I ever slept with. <laughs> <laughs> and we end up FaceTiming. He's like, no, like dating you helped me figure it out. Because and yeah. like, like I said, like it wasn't you. It was me. Yeah. And he ended up coming on the podcast. We talked all about it. Oh my God. But- I love that. Wait, <laughs> yeah. Do you know, do you know offhand what episode that is? It's called Helping My Ex Figure Out He's Gay. Oh my God, I fucking <laughs> love that so much. That's amazing. Yeah, it's amazing. But yeah, that was really eye-opening for me to realize like, okay, I am great. And like, I didn't do anything wrong. And sometimes things just don't work out. And I think that was like just a huge learning experience for me in my like personal growth journey and knowing like, okay, like it's going to be okay. And sometimes things just don't work out. And that doesn't mean something's wrong. Totally. Oh my God. What a fun fucking story. You're like, but next time, could you also give me a little bit more of a clue as to like, no, no, bitch, yeah. it's really not you. <laughs> right. Like you, I, I would have kept your secret. Like it right. would have spared me. <laughs> oh my God. That's wild. I love it. Um, yeah. okay. So let's talk a little bit about like the dating rules and how they're hurting yes. us versus how they're helping us. Because I've witnessed so many of my friends, I've heard people talk about it on podcasts and I just like, don't agree with the whole, like, let's like wait a certain amount of time before we text them back. And let's like, da 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 da. like, maybe I should say this. So he thinks I'm going here. And it's like, again, like it's back to that. Like, so what you can bullshit them into like being in a relationship with someone that like, is it really you? So what are some of the, the dating rules that you've kind of like come across during your time at Hinge that you think are like helping versus hurting? Okay. I think we need to rewrite this whole concept of like the girl can't make the first move. The girl can't text someone first. The girl can't ask them out. The girl can't send a text after the date saying yes, they want to see them again. Because first of all, guys are sick of doing everything. They are. <laughs> and every time I talk to a guy about it, they're like, yeah, I would love if a girl would make the first move or ask me out or plan the date. Because that's really hot and bold and like shows initiative and shows that they're interested Mm -hmm. instead of them sitting there like acting like they don't care. That doesn't make me want to be with them. So that's the first thing. And, and, you know, it's so funny when Jake and I, before our first date, he hadn't texted me that day. Yeah, this is another one. There's a rule. If you don't hear from them by like noon, the day of your date, then you've made other plans. That's so dumb, dude. So ridiculous. (laughs) And and I know so many people who like abide by that. And like, if they text that too, being like, hey, like, are you still on for tonight? Oh, sorry, I didn't hear from you. So I made other plans. Like, no, I'm sorry. It's like, like, you're not like the queen you of England. Know, you know good and well you're sitting at your house watching Grey's Anatomy, drinking wine, wishing you were hanging out with them anyway. So shut the fuck up and go on the date. Like, exactly, what? exactly. And the day of our first date, I hadn't heard from him. And it was like four o'clock. And I texted two of my friends and a guy and a girl. And I was like, I think I'm going to text him to confirm. And they're like, Alana, like what, what, the one of them was like, Alana, it's a joke. If you think that the state's still on, like you're going to show up and completely get stood up like in a movie that he's not going to show up and you're going to be sitting there by yourself. And the other one was like, no, like absolutely do not text him. Like you made other plans. You're busy now. And I'm like, maybe he's just like had a busy day at work. Like, 
I don't know. I'm going to text him. And they were like, Alana, like, this is so embarrassing. Don't do that. I texted him and he immediately responded and was like, oh my God, sorry. Long day. It was about to text you. Like, yeah, like, we have the res. I'll see you there. I'm like, okay. Yeah. And like all that anxiety was for fucking nothing. <laughs> nothing. And then, and then I sent them a screenshot and they were like, okay, just thumbs up it. I'm like, I'm not just going to thumbs oh up it. I'm going to respond. Dude. I'm going to respond and say like, I, Great. Can't wait. Look at Gorgeous. See, uh, whatever. And they were like mad at me. And they're like, Alana, like, you can't do that. Like, you can't, like, he doesn't deserve your warmth right now. And oh my I, God. it's so like looking back, I mean, thank God I didn't listen to them. And I did what I felt was right for me. Yeah. I showed Jake those texts and he was like, if you ever behaved the way that they were telling you to behave, we would not be dating. Yeah. Dude. Yeah. And that's not to say that there isn't a flip side to this situation where like, if someone hasn't texted you and you're like, Hey, are we still on for tonight? And they don't respond for two hours. And then they're like, Oh uh, yeah, sure. Like that's not enough. (laughs) That doesn't mean that that that's like acceptable either, but yeah, no, 100% like go after what you want. Speak your fucking Um, needs. Like if that person's not the one that's going to meet them, like, fine. Like, wouldn't you rather know now than after like months and months of your time being wasted? Yeah. And, and two ways to phrase this, like having needs, is not needy? And everybody has needs. Yeah. And it's okay. And like, I see this all the time where like my, my friends and my listeners get so stressed if like somebody's not a texter and they are. So like, they're so anxious, like, do, do they not like me or are they just bad texter? It's like, they might not know that their lack of texting you is causing you debilitating yep. anxiety. Yep. They are not a mind reader. They have no idea. And maybe they care about you and don't want you to feel this way. Guess what? You have to tell them. Yeah. Communication. You have to ask. <laughs> Communicate. Yeah. Like there's nothing needy or desperate about it. And if they can't show up for you in the way you need, they are not your person and somebody else out there will. Amen. But if you're following these rules and if you're playing all of these games and playing hard to get and waiting, like needing them to make every single move and do everything. Like you're not being real yeah. and you're not going to end up with somebody who's right for you. 100%. And also on the flip side of that, like I have so many girlfriends, like when they start dating someone and they're like, they'll tell me these stories and they'll rationalize the bare minimum behavior. And it's like, what? Like, when is that acceptable? Like when I started dating Tay, he had a five-year-old child was like still going through like the messiness of like the fallout of the divorce, like working two different jobs, like going through his own mental health shit. And that motherfucker still would text me back within 20 minutes of me sending him a message. Like, and oftentimes be the first person to reach out. Like if he fucking wants to, he will like, Stop with the, oh, maybe he just like, you know, is like really dealing with stuff and going through it and da-da-da-da-da. Like, you can't rationalize the bare minimum behavior. Maybe he is, but if he is, there needs to be a conversation about it. Yes. You need to be communicating because maybe he does really like you and does want something with you, but like actually is busy with work and like law school or something at night. Like who the hell knows? Like you never know, but you have to be open and ask the right questions so you can have the answers. Otherwise you're just making assumptions that are probably going to hurt both of you. Yeah. And are driving you fucking crazy. Like maybe he's gay. Yeah. (laughs) Maybe he's gay. (laughs) 
you don't know until you ask. Like, you guys have to have the conversation. You have to fucking yeah. communicate. Yeah. Because also, here's the thing. Like, maybe he does like you, but he doesn't know how you want him to show up for you. Right. So, like, maybe he wants to, but he doesn't know how. Or maybe he wants to, but he can't right now. And now, and the things shouldn't, you shouldn't be trying because it's not going to go anywhere. But at least you've had the conversation to like make a educated decision. It's so much better to know. Yes. Like I can't tell you how many times like having a situationship end was the biggest weight off of my shoulders because I had my answer. Yeah. It like not knowing is just the most painful thing. Yeah. Yeah. And people get into situationships all the time and they'll DM me and write into to the show and be like, can you talk about situationships? And like, when's the time to like move it from a situationship to like be in a relationship? It's like, if you're ready to do that, like have the conversation, don't be scared that they're going to be like, Oh, I'm not ready. Or, Oh, this or, Oh, that. Then like, fuck off. Bye. Like let's move on. Knowledge is power. Keep it moving guys. Keep it moving. Let's talk about vulnerability and like the, the rejection potential that puts you into that vulnerable state. Did you go through that when you were on your dating journey? I definitely did, especially because I was really open online, you know, after a certain point about my experiences. And that was really scary because I, like I said, like I had this fear from the start that someone wouldn't want to date me because of what I did for a living. And then I also had a fear that someone wouldn't want to date me after they've heard what I've been through and what's happened to me in past relationships, you know, are they going to think, well, I'm the problem Mm. and like, I'm undateable. I found that anytime I've opened up to somebody about any past heartbreak or anything in my life, like it's been really well received because it just shows like, okay, I'm a person who's been through things. And when you go through things, you actually, you go through them and you come out stronger because of them. Mm-hmm. And it makes you who you are. And so I think, you know, we all have things that we're afraid somebody won't accept us because of it. You know, I have listeners all the time writing to me. They're in their 20s or their 30s. They're still a virgin or they have an STI or they have a really past traumatic breakup and they're really afraid to be with somebody. Whatever it is, like we all have something and I think we'd all be surprised at how respectful and open people are willing to receive that mm-hmm. and embrace us for it instead of reject us for it. And so I think there is so much power and beauty in being vulnerable because guess what? Not only does being vulnerable tell this person like, okay, like, hey, I trust you. It also invites them to be vulnerable back with you. Yeah. And that is how you create a connection and a relationship. Yeah. And look, that doesn't mean that you have to show up to your first date and be like, I brought my suitcase. Let me take out all of my trauma (laughs) and baggage that you're going to be incurring with me on this journey. But yeah, I think that's so true. Like the deepest relationship I've ever had is with Tay. And it's because we've gone so deep into the deep end with each other. Um, And I did that from the start. It was probably a blessing in disguise. I know it was a blessing in disguise because I didn't think that this was going to be someone I was going to pursue romantically. Like I remember the first time we went out, I looked at my best friend. I was like, he's all yours. Go for it. (laughs) Oh my God. That is so fun. 
And now she looks at me and she's like, yeah, okay. Can you fucking imagine? And I'm like, no, I would have murdered you. But I didn't think it was going to be someone I was going to pursue romantically. So like, I was so overly open, like just vomiting about like traumas and exes and all of the things. So we got to know each other on such a friendship deep level so that when we did cross into the romantic thing, it was like, I know what I'm signing up for. Where's the dotted line, bro? (laughs) Like, here we go. Yeah. So I think exactly. that there's something really beautiful in that. Yeah. And, you know, there are ways to be vulnerable without opening up about deep wounds. Like even just telling somebody that you have feelings for them, that's mm-hmm. really vulnerable. Right. Or you can show up, you know, we like, we always say, like, how are you? Like, how's your week? And the instant response is like, great. It's fucking not. Right. Nine out of 10 times. It is not great. And yeah. my first day with Jake, I showed up and he was like, it was a Monday night. And he said, how was your weekend? And I was like, honestly, not great. My mom was in the hospital. She's okay. She's out now. She'll be fine. But it was a really tough weekend. And I said that. We didn't talk further about it. But that just showed like, okay, I'm kind of going to be a little vulnerable and and open up and trust you. And maybe you can give me that back or just kind of just see how he responded to that. You know, there wasn't a single like intention of like, oh, I'm going to test him by saying this. But it was honest and it was vulnerable. And I think starting out on that foot is the best thing you can do. And just like be real. Yeah. Just like live as authentically yeah. as you can day to day. And that's like meeting yourself authentically where you are and like showing that to the people that you're around, you know, like you and I rescheduled our our two podcast recordings and I was like, pregnancy hormones are fucking raging. (laughs) I mean, by the time this airs, my child will be here. But like, I was just like, not in a place. And and you had to like, I had to show up for myself and be like, guys, I need to, I need to take a beat. I need to not do this. And like, the more you can allow yourself to be in the moment with your emotions, like on a day-to-day basis and allow people to see that and then to reciprocate how they're feeling, that's when really like magical relationships and friendships and, you know, any type of connections with other humans happen. Yeah. And if someone's not willing to accept that or meet you where you're at, then maybe that's not your person. Even with friendships, you know, I get sick all the time. So I do constantly have to cancel plans and reschedule them doesn't mean I don't want to hang out with certain people. It just means that I'm sick and I feel like absolute crap. And A, I don't want to get you sick. And B, I like can't leave my couch right now. I'm taking care of yourself. Yeah. And for so long, there were so many friends I had who like would make me feel so horrible Mm -hmm. for taking care of myself. And it took me a really long time to say, okay, those aren't people I want to be spending my time with. If like, they are making me feel bad for prioritizing myself for trying to feel good. But like, I'm not just blowing them off. I'm literally sick, you know? And so I think there's so much to say about like somebody who on a date, if you open up about something and they react in a way that makes you uncomfortable or or makes you like want to kind of go back into your shell, like, Mm -hmm. listen, you tried. And you know what? It's better to know sooner than later that somebody is not right for you. Yeah. Take it as a fucking warning sign. And like, yeah. Take, take the inventory knowledge is power that's the, that's the through line of this episode is knowledge is yep. power. <laughs> yeah oh my god alana this has been so great can you please tell everybody where they can find you and where they can check out the podcast 
Yes. Thank you so, so much. You can check out Seeing Other People wherever you listen to podcasts. And I am on Instagram at Seeing Other People and TikTok at Ilana Dunn. Love it. Thank you for being here. It was so great to chat with you. You're adorable. (laughs) I want to thank Ilana so much for coming on and sharing all of her goodness with us. I just really can appreciate seeing and really like hearing from someone who's been through the dating apps and like all of the hoopla, who found success in it, who was able to have like a happy ending from it. I get written in all the time about like, what the fuck? I don't want to meet someone on a dating app, da, 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 da. And I think when you can hear those positive stories, it gives us hope that even though we're living in this weird fucked up time where like people just swipe on humans like they're shopping for goddamn groceries, um, that there are cases where it really works out. I have a lot of friends that met their significant others on different dating apps. Uh, my mom is one of them. <laughs> um Lauren Denham, who has been on the show a couple times, met her now fiance baby daddy on Hinge, I believe it was. Um, So there is hope, you guys, if you are out there and you are in the trenches of the dating apps, keep the faith, set your standards high. Don't try and play the dating games. Really like show up as your authentic self and speak into the universe what you want because you're fucking worth it. I love you. I will see you guys next week. All right, FMLers, if you don't want to miss an episode, make sure to follow on your favorite podcast app. And if you're loving the show, drop us a five-star rating and leave a review. You can keep up with me on Instagram at Gabrielle Stone or the podcast page at FML Talk Podcast. For all the merch and books signed personally by me, you can shop the FML line on eatpreyfml.com. And as always, have a fucking self-love cocktail on me. Cheers. Welcome to As a Woman, Fertility Hormones and Beyond. I'm your host, Dr. Natalie Crawford, and I am a fertility physician and co-founder of Fora Fertility in Austin, Texas. We will talk about a wide range of topics, including the menstrual cycle, your hormones, infertility, IVF, mental health, and well, beyond. So join us and become part of the community of collaboration that amplifies others as a woman. This podcast has been brought to you by Podcast Nation.